0: Welcome to the Village Church Podcast Show, episode 19, Josh Patterson, Matt Chandler. Looking forward to today's episode where we're going to talk about a new campus for the Village Church located in Southlake. We'll talk and unpack that here in a little bit. And then also looking forward to a lengthy discussion with Zach as We're going to talk about his new book, his story, and really what that means for pastors, leaders, and just people anywhere and everywhere. So should be a great show.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Just have read a lot of Zach's stuff, and it's been impactful for me. I know we've got uh, the book for the Acts 29 pastors as well as our own pastoral staff, and so I'm eager to hear from him, the things the Lord's shown him. and. Uh, how he can help us and help others. I think the Lord's given him a, a real keen insight into how he's designed us to operate and work in our being human and ordinary yep. and that being okay. And so I'm yep. excited about that dialogue.
0: For sure, for sure. Before we uh, have Zach on the show, we do want to talk just a little bit about a new campus for the Village Church. We've, we've informed our members, and hopefully if you're a member of the Village that you already know about this, if not, then uh, here you go. Uh, but we, we <laughs> will be launching a new campus in Southlake. So for those of you who are just listening, Southlake is about uh, it's just outside the metroplex or it's in the metroplex it's just a little bit uh, to the north and west of Dallas. But Uh, We're excited about this campus. Let me just kind of tell you how it came about. It's similar to how the Denton campus and the Dallas campus came about, where there was an existing congregation that reached out to the village and reached out to us and just asked us to consider, as they were considering, what it meant to possibly merge, become, uh, fold into our membership as a body. And so uh, they're a congregation that's been there for a long, long time, been a faithful, uh, I guess at this point, remnant of people who have been there and have walked through this season of asking the question what 's next for us as a church and and that whole process led them uh, really to to reach out to us at, at the village, uh, asking us to consider what it means to really absorb and and have them become a campus of the village church and so that's where we find ourselves that's that's the story in short obviously uh, there's a work of the spirit that is happening in the hearts of men and women and leaders over there and here. Uh, as as we kind of prayed and processed what that would look like.
1: Yeah, I think about the the evolution of how this has come about, and I, and I always just think back to venture. I think back to a Wednesday night yep. in the old red brick building where we just cried out and asked God to do something mm-hmm. uh, to help us with what He was doing here in a way that Really, only he could get the credit for it, and and we couldn't lay before people this is how you go about doing this, but rather we would have to, in all integrity, say we prayed, we fasted, we sought the face of God, and God acted on our behalf and and so, when I think about the South Lake campus as as well as um, the the dallas campus and um, and the denton campus i, I Really, these were not efforts of ours. They right. weren't even, in, in fact, in, internally, there was some dialogue because we weren't really paying attention to what the Lord was laying before us clearly. And so the evolution of just praying and fasting. And then I, you know, I wrote an article for uh, Nine Marks years ago called Clouds on the Horizon, which was my own skepticism about multi site and, and what its future was and what its impact would be on the church. And so um, to go from that to this. Um, I, I think i want to call it a fragile piece um, that this fragile piece of being a church planting church that uses uh, our sites as as a type of church planning strategy and feeling the tension of being one church in multiplication in multiple locations with the long-term desire to roll off those locations to be autonomous churches to to sit in that tension and to wrestle through it, it, it it's it encourages my soul to think back to that Wednesday night, where, with tears in our eyes and hope in our heart, we cried out that the Lord would do what we have watched Him do yeah. now for seven, eight, nine yep. years. That's
0: it, and and I think it's important as we as we're talking about South Lake and and a congregation that approached us in that 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 there have been other congregations that have approached us over the years, and that that through a season of prayer that we have not uh, proceeded or yeah. moved forward with them and. And for whatever reason, the Lord has just brought either the right building, uh, you know, that we've been able to purchase, as, as was the case with Plano and Fort Worth, where there was just a real growing burden in the leadership and in the congregation at the church for those specific areas. And what I find interesting is we were kind of forecasting, thinking about campuses. This is probably... Nine months ago, and just asking uh, in the elder room, where do we see? Where do we sense what may be next in terms of campuses for the village? And South Lake was on was on that list. Yeah. You know, we, we had five locations of maybe the Lord would do something in one of these five areas, and and we just put that to prayer and put that to conversation and put that to patience. And and you know, the Lord, the Lord brought a congregation and brought a people to us, yeah. and, and one that we didn't pursue, but that did pursue us, and then. Uh, now we're in that process of, to coin a term that land level uh, gave us, now we're learning what it means to marinate uh, with the new people and and have them become a part of the village. But you're right, Matt, there's always that tension and balance of of now what it means to be one church in multiple locations, and I think that's a tension that is really never solved in multi-site, it's just a tension that has to be managed, and hopefully, by God's grace, we're managing it well and, and not swinging that pendulum uh, too far in either direction, too yeah. far centralized, too too far decentralized. That it's just this thing that we're we're kind of constantly talking about and keeping in our purview. This idea that, not really an idea, a reality, a vision, a hope that the long term desire for these campuses is not that they would remain campuses, but that they would be they would be churches. Yeah. They'd be local autonomous churches. And so this really is a long-term church planning strategy. And, and man, we talk about this a, a pretty decent amount. We, we should probably dedicate a whole podcast show just to multi-site, maybe some of the tensions. I know we've talked about campus transitions, but that's for another day. But really looking forward now just to introducing uh, to the show and having on Zach Eswine as we jump into kind of his thoughts, his journey, his story, and his insights, particularly for pastors. But, but really, really for the believer. And so looking forward to having Zach on with us.
1: Well, welcome back to episode 19 of the Village Church podcast show. Uh, Josh earlier introduced our special guest for this show, Zach Eswine, who is the pastor of Riverside Church in Webster Groves, Missouri. Now, Zach, um, I've got family there. Do you pronounce it Missouri or do you pronounce it Missouri? Yeah,
2: so I'm, I'm, na- I'm not native here, so I'll say Missouri, but uh, the folks around here say Missouri for sure.
1: Yeah, both my parents' families are from Missouri. They're out by Lake Palm de Terre and out in the woods and good people. But they, I, I picked oh, yeah. up years ago that oh, it, they call it Missouri there. So now yeah, Zach has. Zach has authored uh, quite a few books, uh, Kindled Fire, Sensing Jesus, Preaching to a Post-Everything World, Recovering Eden, Spurgeon's Sorrows, and The Imperfect Pastor. Now, Zach, you've written uh, a bunch of different books on a variety of subjects, and and yet I, I think that as I've read uh, the things you've written, it, it keeps coming back to a lot of the content of sensing Jesus and the imperfect pastor. And so, can you talk with us just a little bit about? Um, what you're trying to do through these, why you wrote these two books in particular. Because if I think about Spurgeon's Sorrows or Recovering Eden, you, you can see that that there are pieces of Sensing Jesus and the Imperfect Pastor there also. And so it, it seems like you've got a specific heartbeat in mind for ministers and for Christians. And, and so can you chat with us a little bit about um, your, um, y- your desire to write the, the things you're writing in Imperfect Pastor and Sensing Jesus?
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh I, I think at at the heart the heart of it is just trying to be trying to recover our humanity, what it means what it means to be in ministry leadership as a human being. And uh and so I remember being out at La Follette Field at, when I was a college student in northern Indiana at Ball State University and uh I was a mess. I, I uh, the Lord had brought me to himself. I was uh, with the Navigators campus ministry, I was just learning about the Lord and following him, being discipled by a faithful man, and you know, I would just go out go out late at night to pray and uh, call out and i I look back at that you know and I, I at that time I had no title, I had not written anything, I had no idea I'd ever be a pastor uh, i had I had never thought about preaching you know at that time. I just knew I wanted to serve the Lord and um, uh, somehow somehow in the midst of ministry over the years, I forgot uh, that the Lord loved me and knew me and knew my name, Zach, and met me in La Follette Field at Ball State University when I, was, when I was just a long-haired guy, you know, with a mullet uh, <laughs> calling out to him. Confession's are
1: good things, Zach. Confession's a good thing, Confession's <laughs> That's, right, a good that's thing. right. I had a, had
2: a mullet. And, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, it had nothing to do with Dr. S. Wine. It had nothing to do with my, you know, mastering divinity, you know, all that stuff. And uh, I don't know. So uh, it's just real easy, real easy in ministry leadership to get caught up in definitions of greatness and Excellence and uh, production and uh, mobilizing—that just makes me forget those days. Um, and uh, and I know there's a time coming when, when all my mobilizing and everything will come to an end in this human life, and I'll be an old man, uh, Lord willing, watching younger men do what I once did. And I don't know uh, how how do we approach how do we approach this this life, this apprenticeship with Jesus in ministry remembering our names, because uh, he certainly knows them, and remembering who, who we are as human beings. I think that's my heart. That's what's going on.
0: Uh, that's, that's really encouraging. I, one of the things, Zach, that jumped really off the page for me was, was your teaching on the idea of a hero as it relates uh, to Scripture, that in Scripture, the hero... Uh, the one that comes in and and saves the day, it's always a temporary act. And it's always to bring back, to reestablish the ordinary, the shalom, the everyday, where someone uh, can worship freely, love freely, be a neighbor. The hero is always for a moment to reestablish, hopefully for the long run, that which doesn't need a hero. Can you speak to that a bit?
2: Yeah, I think... uh You know, I just long to—I long to do a great work for God. I, I want to be faithful, uh, and I suppose I, I thought of that in heroic and epic terms, and um, I, I, I just forgot—you know—that that, uh, that uh, the heroic moment this side of heaven is still this side of heaven. Yeah. And uh, any, anything that I, you know, whatever the greatest, you know, the greatest moment of, uh, of preaching or in personal counsel with someone, and the Lord moves in a powerful way, you know, I, to, to speak crassly, I still have to go to the bathroom that night. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a humbling reminder, you know, that uh, uh, even even the most noble of us uh, are still human and still uh, nobly finite and, and that uh, the true hero is the Lord. And so, uh, you know, in a funny kind of way, you know, I just think of it as Superman. If Superman saves Metropolis, it's so that Metropolis can go back to ordinary life and work and love, you know. And yeah. when uh, in World War II, you know, in any kind of war, when, when, the, when the Allies win the day, it's so that everyone could go back without a tyrant trying to dictate their ordinary life and love. And ultimately, of course, when Jesus uh, died and rose for us, he, he's recovering. I mean, he's taking us forward, but he's he's recovering something essential about the life with God we were made for, and um, and so that that's what I'm trying to get getting, getting at. And so, if we have a heroic moment in a local ministry or a local church, what's it ultimately for? You know, I still have to go to sleep that night or the next day, and um, and it doesn't stop the aging process, and and my left knee it aches, and hmm. you know, it, what's it ultimately for? It's ultimately the point us forward to the true hero and the ultimate wedding feast and banquet table that we're gonna sit at together. And that's what I'm getting
1: at there. That's good. Now what are some what are some kind of common temptations that cloud our sense of humanity? And and you can talk about this in, in regards to just all of us and, and then more specifically, are there specific temptations for pastors when it comes to clouding our sense of humanity and wanting to give in to uh, a, a more broken view of what being a hero is or a type yeah. of giving ourselves over to what might be an ungodly ambition.
2: Okay. Well, um, uh, there's, there's, a, there's an ideal around us that says that in order to do something meaningful, you have to do something large, famous, and fast. Hmm. And once you've done something large, famous, and fast, you have to do something larger, more famous, and then faster, you know. And it just continues, continues to go. So one of the, one of the, one of the temptations we have is that. It, it's to forget that most things that matter in life uh, really require us to have a capacity to do small, mostly overlooked things over a long period of time. You know, true relationships, true friendships, marriage, parenting learning a skill with an instrument, learning a skill with a vocation, growing a, a stable football team. You know, you got to have an offensive coordinator that stays for three or four years. You know, it's, uh, small, ordinary things over a long period of time. Dealing with sickness, learning how to forgive, uh, growing in the scriptures. You know, most things that matter in life do not happen with large, famous, and fast attention. So that's the first temptation I think a lot of us have, it's... At its heart, it's it's a uh, prizing haste, and uh, the proverbs and the wisdom literature regularly tell us that haste uh, is is folly. It's it's not wise. And in contrast, you have words like you know waiting, patience, contentedness, uh, this ability to persevere. These are all long haul words which are often associated with wisdom. So that's one area that we struggle with. Another area is just uh you know just trying to be like god it uh, uh which usually looks up looks like this i'm trying to know everything trying to be everywhere at once trying to fix everything that is i'm trying to be omniscient uh omnipotent omnipresent and only god can do that and so um how that translates into ministry leadership is uh we can begin to think that in order to do a great thing for God, uh, somehow it has to be large, famous, and now, and somehow it has to demonstrate that I know everything, can fix everything, and can be everywhere at once. And if, if all that isn't happening, then somehow I feel like I'm failing, that, I, that I'm not really useful, or that I'm being passed over, or that I'm missing out. And I, I think there's a lot to say about that, but uh, those are some of the dangers that come in. And I think finally, it's just the way we define greatness. If I'm going to do a great thing for God, uh, I think that's—I think we got to go all out, you know, all heart uh, to do a great thing for God. We we just need to make sure it's what Jesus says a great thing is. Um, and I I think a lot of us get confounded and thrown off
1: a bit uh, because of that. Yeah, that's so good. Here's a here's a question. Maybe it's for our listeners. and Maybe it's for me.
2: Right. Um,
1: yeah. So uh, I. I think ambition and achievement are they're, they're good things. They're not necessarily evil things and and yet uh, they can easily become problematic. So I I know in my own life I, uh, my earnest desire is to to love the village church and to love my wife and to love my children to coach my son's team to to be fully present in any given moment and 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 yet I I guess my question is to where where is the burying talent in the sand versus giving yourself over to what hopefully is godly ambition again i guess i'm struggling in my own personal life to find the line of what it looks like to be faithful with the giftedness and calling of god on my life what's stemming from my own hurts and and my own issues that need to be dealt with what what does drive me what does it look like to be faithful in our giftedness and, and be human that, I, that's a question I'm, I'm personally wrestling with as I meet other young men who've been called to gospel ministry who have um, certain levels of gifting they, they feel this wrestle also and it's a it's a like not sleep well at night up wrestling with the Lord what does it look like to be faithful to you e- even if the heart is I just want to please you Lord and, and I want to go where you tell me to go and do what you tell me to do
2: yeah I Man, that's the heart of it. I think that that's a that's a conversation that we just we continue to have together. And uh, at the heart of it, this uh, faithfulness. There's a statement that someone once made that um, busyness can be laziness. And uh, and I step back and I think about that. And uh, sometimes we can be lazy toward the things that matter most. And. Um, and we use busyness to distract us from that. And so sometimes a guy thinks, uh, you know, to be faithful, uh, I gotta, I gotta do something great, and gets busy with doing great things, and doesn't, and just forgets that, that prayer, a, a time of prayer that no one sees, is great in God's eyes. You know that a that a po- poverty of spirit uh, is blessed in God's eyes, and. You know, if you walk down the Sermon on the Mount there, and those Beatitudes, and the things that the Lord says are blessed, um, it, there's no, there's nothing in there about numbers of people that I've preached to, or uh, n- amount of books that I've written, or or the fact that I didn't preach to that many, and I didn't write that many books. Therefore, I'm less blessed. There's just it isn't about that at all. It it seems to be that whether whether we're dealing with large amounts of people in ministry or small amounts of people is almost irrelevant because the questions are going to fundamentally be the same. And that is, uh, we're going to invite people to know uh, what it is to, to be a beggar of soul and what it is to mourn uh, over our sin and the fact that people sin against us and what it is to, pers- to experience the mercy of Christ and the hunger and thirst for righteousness, you know, and to be persecuted for righteousness' sake and... And so none of those folks you know who follow jesus you know they're heroes to us but the fact is they just weren't known at all in in that world you know uh, other than as a scandal or you know they're a minority fringe group you know and so um i'm rambling a bit i think i'm just trying to get at what is jesus what does jesus value and I think once we get there, we realize, okay, I can, I can say no to an invitation to, to speak, even if it was to a lot of people, and say yes at the same time to a small number, or vice versa. that, that uh, I, th- I think some of my colleagues would differ with me on this. So I want to be really careful because I'm not picking on numbers at all. Uh, some of us, God calls us some of us to those kinds of situations, um, as you guys yourselves know. And uh, when that happens, we need all the prayer we can get. <laughs> you know sure. I'm just trying to say that the number uh, uh, what happens is someone will say to a young a young guy, "Man, you are gifted, you're going to have a platform. you need to position yourself and 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 without thinking about it, we import a numerical value or measure to it, and so the the guy starts to think in terms of numbers uh, or A level of acknowledgement by a number of people and at that point uh, that that's a trap because for the Lord it it isn't about the number of people so much as the people themselves and what he wants you to say to them and that could be a small number or a large number and uh, and so another thing at the heart of that is just that phrase you know when when the Lord says to Peter you know those two statements to Peter near the end of You know there in the Gospels where one Peter shouldn't worry about John you know hey don't worry about him you follow me yeah and then the 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 second thing was you know when you were younger you went where you wanted to go when you're old someone else will dress you and tell you where to go this whole idea that hey Peter uh, I'll take care of this guy you just follow me with what I've asked you to do and uh, Peter you're going to end up doing things you don't personally prefer but I've called you to it, and it'll be for my glory and it'll be for your good and somewhere in all those words I'm saying right now <laughs> there's there's some language we're trying to find together you know yeah
0: <laughs> for, well you, you uh, said you were rambling we're taking notes so you can just yeah. you can okay, keep rambling okay. if you want to uh, okay. i let me let me see if we can kind of tease some things out here um, and again, this is as much for us as as for anybody but um let 's take the the example of Peter again with there there will be some things that that i 'm calling you to let 's talk about discerning that because you also mentioned the word trapped and and how do we know how do we discern how do we kind of sift apart um, this is my own self deception which by definition i can 't really see uh, and i'm 'm trapped in it versus i 'm i 'm discerning this is where the lord's leading me and um and i love what you say about numbers and platform and all of those types of things so those those realities aside for for the person for the leader the minister the pastor who is trying to discern but can't quite make sense is this me or is this the lord yeah
2: yeah that's boy that's a profound question uh well, you know, we know some basic things. You know, we know that we need a we need a community of people to help us sort that out, and we need some time. Uh, um, and so that's going to be important. People who know know me as uh, Zach, uh, not my uh, personas, but you know, they just know me. They've been in my house. They know my kids. You know, I know we need folks like that who know us who can help us sort that out, um, and that takes time. And, uh, and I, I think part of that sorting out with community in the context of God's Word is, is just we need time to sift out our motives before the Lord. Um, and so one thing is this. I think it was Francis Schaeffer in his book, uh, No Little People, He's suggesting that it's not always, you know, how you know how to go to the next stage or to the next step or the next thing you're being asked to do. You have to ask this question. If I do this, can I still have my heart with God? You know, hmm. can I still have the the time I need to cultivate my heart with God and with the good work he's given me to do with my family? All these callings, are they matter to him. Can I Can I still have a... Uh, 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 patterns of rest and patterns of hard work. If I if I take this other step, will all of those things still be in place? And I think that's an interesting question to ask. Um, or, uh, and alongside of that, if if I'm being asked something, and I'm asking that question, can I still have this heart for God intact, where I can st- still have a pace of hearing Him? Uh, if I'm going into a culture that doesn't know how to do that do I have the does my family and I do we have the time and capacity and resources to be able to see that kind of culture change which will you know, take a few years and um, and so what am I saying community in the context of his word we need time and patience to sort through our moods to sort through our reactions to get to what our actual motives are I need to be able to ask at the the end of this all I'm I'm selling the whole field I'm buying a field because there's this treasure in it yeah I I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul even if it's in ministry so can I can I take this other position in a way that enables that to still flourish and then I think another uh, question to ask is if I leave what happens and so here's an anecdote about that it's a very personal one I think it was about year four I've been here at Riverside for seven years first handful of years were so difficult and uh, about year four uh, one of the guys asked me if I'm if I'm leaving you know you've been here I've been here a little over three years so are you in it or are you getting ready to go and uh, and I said uh, I'm in it you know I'm I'm in because I realized that the folks here have been holding back um, assuming I'm going to go and uh, and Uh, and so I said I'm in you know what a year later I got my two dream jobs were offered me Uh, The 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 two dream jobs I would have I would have loved to have done when I was uh, the two callings the two places of ministry I would have loved to have been at when I was a younger man and I thought man when I'm older that's where I'd love to be those were offered I had a I had a I had a a line drawn you know in front Mm. of me yeah and uh uh, so for some, some guys, uh, they're going to need to choose and move on. But but for me in this moment, it, had, it didn't have to do with me in that sense. It had to do with this church. I thought, man, th- this particular church has had good pastors, but they've had no one stay, you know, more than three years. And because of that, they've had tremendous difficulty, internal difficulty. We were just getting to the place of stability there. And I thought to myself, you know, before the Lord, if I... If I stay here, even just another five years. If I'm here another five or six years, just even that much, this church what they will have solid ground, core leadership. They're—they're they're poised, you know, for just years of ministry. If I—if I leave now, this church, I don't know what'll happen. Um, the cynicism and trust about pastors and everything else, the—the the pain that was here, I just don't know what'll happen. And so, in a moment like that, I couldn't believe, you know, I'm calling, I'm calling Jessica and say, Jay, I I can't believe I'm saying this, I'm going to say no. We we need to say no, don't we? Uh, I have to trust the Lord with that. And uh, so, I, I think... That's not a parable about oh man, I got to always say no if I get offered my dream j-. it's no, it's not about that It's like in God's providence, the dream job was not offered me at any other time, yeah
1: <laughs> it, probably for your own offered, good
2: right yeah, <laughs> that's right. It was offered right after I'd pledged my word <laughs> to <laughs> a group of folks, well, you know what I'm saying uh, and um and the health of that church he cares about, so it, it gave me a great comfort actually i mean i i I wept a bit about what I thought my life might be and what it actually is. But in terms of the solidness inside, I knew, no, this is worth it. Uh, that that every, it's, it's all good. I've not missed out. Um, uh, I don't know. Is there something in there that's helpful?
0: Oh, absolutely. One thing uh, okay. I just want to pull out and highlight uh, before I ask you the last question is just, you know, you mentioned community, time, in the context of God's Word. And, and just for pastors, ministers, leaders, uh, I think one temptation that, that we can feel is, is the aloneness or the loneliness of ministry, uh, the, the fear of being known. And so what you just described is something that I know uh, Matt has, has walked through and does walk through is the idea of Matt Chandler, Zach Eswine versus Matt and Zach. And, um, and Matt has said in, in years past, I, when somebody calls me Matt Chandler, I know they don't really know me. Uh, versus the guy or the gal who just says, "Hey, Matt." Yep. Um, so there's something about that that is, uh, to use your language, Zach, just human, ordinary. That that's really beautiful and essential. And so, just a challenge and a call to to leaders, ministers, pastors, whoever's listening to to fight for that knownness um, in their life. Otherwise, it's it's a terrifying reality of isolation and charades and projecting an image it's just I think it's sad and and it's certainly not what the Lord values and has for people it's worth the, risk. It's it's worth worth the, the risk. risk of just being known as Matt or Zach but uh, let me ask you this. This will be our last question. Just, I feel like I could sit here and listen for a long, long time and want to give you this last question is we've talked about humanity, kind of rescuing our humanity, seeing our humanity, sensing our humanity under the Lordship of Christ. What you wrote about this, uh, just give us some of those daily rhythms, reminders uh, that can help us kind of reclaim, remind us, refresh for us through a daily routine and practice that that reminds us of our humanity and why these things are important?
2: Well, one of those uh, daily rhythms is just the four portions of a day. So I just think about four portions. Uh, just taking these uh, phrases from the scriptures, you know, morning, afternoon, night, and a, you know, or evening, and the night watches. And sometimes it just, uh, it really matters, you know, to bring the morning to a close before I start the afternoon bring an afternoon to a close before I start the evening and uh, and all that means is like two minutes in the car you know uh, it's 11:45. I'm going to a lunch a lunch appointment to turn the radio off to turn uh, even to turn Matt off you know of the podcast <laughs> and to say you know and say okay Lord thank you for this morning what's what's been going on this morning and to to give him thanks for anything I can give him thanks for but then also to try to notice what what I'm bothered by and I might notice man I'm still irritated what am I irritated about and I realize it's that it was that phone call at 8:30 or is that email at 9:15 that the the heading was concerned you know yes. I realize I'm still there at that email and so I just take that opportunity to try to cast my cares about that email to the lord so as best as I can I don't take it into the afternoon with whoever I'm going to meet there um, he's taking care of that and what I find is if I don't take those two minutes to shift from morning to afternoon for example and then I don't take a couple minutes to shift from afternoon to evening and sometimes by the time I come home I just bring a whole unmeditated day into the living room yeah. and uh, I don't know if you've noticed this but a lot of us have our if we're married a lot of us have arguments right right at dinner time. you know right right when everybody gets home and the kids and everything and, or in the evening and I think that's part of it. Sometimes we just bring an un- unmeditated day, without gratitude for the things that God has done, which were probably really small but big to Him, and without a recognition of the things that were troublesome to us. And um, so that's one, that's one rhythm. And I have to say, I was with a with an A29 guy yesterday and an A29 guy this morning. And uh, the guy yesterday, they both said in their own way, they sort of picture me after they read Sensing Jesus and the Imperfect Pastor. They picture me in pastoral ministry just like out in a field praying <laughs> and, some, and somehow things get done, you know. In the
0: woods, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, right, that's
2: right, you know. And... Uh, it was funny because uh, the, uh, the one, one young pastor, he, he asked me a question about sermon prep and what I do, and so I pulled out my phone, you know, and, and started going into Evernote, and he just started to laugh because it blew his image, you know. He thought, he thought <laughs>
0: I, would, awesome.
2: I would never have used Evernote, but it, this is a thing. On You know, for me, with Evernote, I have uh, a notebook that just says the four portions, and what I'm doing is just collecting uh, scriptures, that have to do with the morning, scriptures that have to do with the afternoon, scriptures that have to do with the evening, scriptures that have to do with the night watches, especially the Psalms and especially the gospels. Sure. And then uh collecting prayers, you know, just from saints who've gone before us, uh, regarding those sections, just as a way to try to help um, help me. I, I gotta my inner world get you know, just spins spins into misguided ambition so much. I just mm. I just need basic help like that to keep my Keep these rhythms going and keep my um, my prayers like that. And if I can get, I tell you, the thing I'm trying to do right now is uh, a 24 hour day of rest, right, with no email. 24 hours with no email, and it's just killing me. I I, it works. Um, If so, I've I've backed it. I've backed it down. Okay, it's not 24 hours. I'll I'll start with four hours. Can I go four hours on (laughs) my day off (laughs) (laughs) and not check? And uh, what I find is that that first four hours is like a detox. I keep wanting to check it. I'm worried. I'm fidgety. And uh, it just shows me the things that i got to pray about. i got to turn all that over to the Lord, you know. If I can get to eight hours, uh, about the ninth hour, you know, I'm feeling really good. It's like a weight has lifted off. If I know there's a lot of emails waiting for me in the morning, but I know if it's an emergency, it's not going to be through email um, if it's a true emergency. So... Yeah, I don't I don't always make it to twenty four hours. But, but I'm trying to start with four and
1: uh yeah. I love it. You gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Gotta start somewhere. <laughs> That's right. That's well listen, right. we brother, I, I just couldn't commend you and your ministry any higher, just I want I I wish and, and of course the Lord's sovereign, but I wish somebody would have put your book in my hand ten years ago. Yep. And uh think I would be healthier and uh I think my soul would be, uh, in a more restful place, but, but praise God, you know, he he got the book in my hands when I needed to get it in my hands and I, I, I'm putting it in everybody else's hands. I can get it into right now. And so thank you for, uh, and praise God for both your joys and sorrows and how, uh, that's been used by God to refine and shape you brother. And so thank you for being on with us again, just such a blessing to Josh and I, and I know to the pastors of A29, and, and really, I, I pray that your influence, Um, as good as it will be for your soul uh, grows uh, so that men's hearts might be at rest uh, in their great God and King and so thank you so much brother
2: thank you man thanks a lot Josh you guys are a blessing to us thanks for investing
1: in us thanks Zach All right. Well, uh, thank you for tuning in for episode 19 of the village church podcast show. We'll be back in two weeks talking discipleship models with Eric Geiger. Uh, And so again, if you have not, um, picked up sensing Jesus or the imperfect pastor, uh, I would recommend strongly that you get one or both of those, uh, God bless. And we'll see you here in two weeks with Eric Geiger.